You're listening to the Body Literacy Podcast, your connection to the art and science of feeling really good body, mind, and spirit. I'm your host and holistic health coach, Jen Mayo. If you've never experienced truth and freedom inside your body, an amazing adventure is about to begin. Healing happens in community. Body literacy is your tribe. Join me in discovering the keys to fearlessly unlocking your body's innate intelligence and resilience. Turn on to the wisdom of your body as we connect your wellness dots by exploring whole person healing from neuroscience and nutrition to sexual health and sleep. Join the wellness revolution and start speaking your body's language. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce you to the most profound and impactful piece of health technology I've encountered in three decades of navigating my own health challenges. LifeWave is a wearable health technology that uses your own light energy to optimize your health. If you've followed the Body Literacy Podcast for any period of time, you likely already know that I'm a bit of a walking science experiment. I have a passion for exploring how time-honored ancient healing arts can be coupled with modern science and technology to optimize our health, wellness, and vitality, and how we can empower ourselves with the knowledge and optimization of our own onboard wisdom and healing potential rather than viewing the human body as a problem to be solved. LifeWave's phototherapy patches use light to stimulate the body's natural healing systems. By applying LifeWave's non-transdermal patches to specific points on the body similar to acupressure, where the patch covers the skin, infrared light emitted from the body is reflected back into the tissue, stimulating specific regions of the brain and tapping into the body's own flow of energy and the ability to heal itself. LifeWave patches are not intended to treat any specific condition or disease, but rather support the body's own innate healing mechanisms. When we take a holistic approach to health and consider there is really only one state of dis-ease in the body imbalance, rather than the 32,000 diseases defined by conventional medicine, rebalancing the body and supporting our own built-in capacity to heal becomes a journey of ease rather than a frustrating and disempowering struggle to control dis-ease. Energy medicine operates by a different set of rules than material medicine. I talk about experience-based medicine a lot, and LifeWave is simply a therapy you have to take for a test drive to feel the benefits for yourself. To learn more or try them out, just visit genmayo.com LifeWave. On this episode of the Body Literacy Podcast, I'll be talking with Kathleen Belongi. She's a yoga and mindfulness teacher who specializes in small group classes, primarily for women who are in their second phase of life. Kathleen's teaching style deviates from the one style fits all group yoga classes, and she weaves mindfulness and wellness into each class, coaching clients on how to create an entire wellness lifestyle on and off the mat. Kathleen has contributed to training curriculum for adults to teach yoga and mindfulness in schools was a national trainer for a children's yoga training school and has trained over 50 educators to teach yoga and mindfulness in schools. And she's pioneered a mindful parenting class. Kathleen presents workshops on social emotional learning and mindfulness to schools and has taught corporate yoga at Fortune 500 companies. She's completing her master's degree in workforce education and development and has completed a graduate certificate in integrated holistic health along with two advanced yoga certifications including yoga psychology. So welcome to the podcast today, Kathleen. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Jennifer. And I'm uh, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. So can you tell me a little bit, how did you decide to become a yoga instructor and acquire 
more training in meditation and mindfulness? Yeah. So I had started practicing yoga back in the late eighties, early nineties when I was in college. And really it was more, um, a practice of exercise for me. And as I got older, um, was a mom and, um, went through a divorce. I ended up going back to grad school and I was juggling, wearing a lot of hats, feeling very stressed. I was working in corporate America. I honestly felt like I had IBS. Um, I was running myself ragged, kind of in that survival mode, mm-hmm. getting sick all the time. And um, then I, you know, had this opportunity to go back to school. I gotten remarried. And so um, I was studying holistic health in school and um, different types of holistic ways to relieve stress and live a more holistic life and ended up writing a research paper. And I ended up writing a research paper on yoga. And so I was really getting back into my practice and writing this paper. And it was was just, um, it was very like, kind of like when you have that aha moment, like, oh my gosh, like yoga is not just a, a, an exercise. You know, this is a healing modality. This is a, this is a wellness tool. So I had this moment where I realized like yoga can help, you know, it can help people with stress, um, PTSD, autism, attention disorders. There were all of these things. And I was reading all these peer reviewed, you know, articles, um, about the benefits of yoga. And so I wrote the paper and, um, that really changed the way I looked at my practice and Mm -hmm. there was a mindfulness class. And I was very curious about that mindfulness for daily living. And I just was really drawn to it. So I took the class Mm -hmm. and we went through the class. Um, we did the eight weeks, um, the MBSR, which is mindfulness based stress reduction and was a certified teacher who taught it. And, you know, so we're doing these body scans and um, these all these different mindfulness practices, meditations. And I realized that, you know, I didn't have a lot of peace in my life. And even though I was diving back into my yoga practice and I was seeing all of this, like I, I just found this whole new level of um, connection to myself mm-hmm. and my ability to regulate my emotions, to um, just look at life with a different lens. And so I became very intrigued, um, went on to take a yoga teacher training, thinking I was just there to learn and ended up uh, deciding to teach and deciding to teach in schools and training to teach kids yoga. And um, through that, just you know, learning more about mindfulness. And I ended up uh, training with mindful schools. They're um, one of the largest training schools in the country. Um, They've trained over 750,000 students and counting, you know, in schools. And we're seeing how all of these practices help kids um, in schools and their ability to um, learn and regulate their emotions and the behavior and stuff. So it just, all of that was very, um, intriguing to me. So, you know, I, of course, once you open that, that box, you know, it's like, you just want to learn, learn, learn. And so, um, yeah, so I just, I love these practices. I see, I see how they've helped me personally. And I feel like, um, 
I, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today in such a, a good place, you know, had I have not found them. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's, that's a pretty great background there. Um, can you kind of like explain for, for people who are listening and, and aren't super familiar with meditation on a more just like rudimentary level, what is meditation? Yeah. So, um, I'm trained to teach mindfulness meditation and it's a practice which, um, we concentrate our focus. Um, sometimes it's sound, um, sometimes, um, it's an object, like in the beginning of some of the mindfulness um, practices that I teach, you know, you might um, work with food in mindful eating practices, um, mindful listening, um, visualizations, um, picturing things in your mind, um, mindful attention to the breath, um, mindfulness, just awareness of the body, feeling sensations in the body. Um, we do that through body scans and also through movement, um, different forms of movement and mindfulness there that, um, you know, you might not think about. Um, I like to think about, uh, you know, the, which you're a mom, right? A lot of moms, we, we drive home and we pull in the garage, you know, we have like no idea how we got there. Um, (laughs) right. We've all sat in our car and kind of like wonder, you know, how did we get there? And, you know, I think that a lot of times we're just going, going through life, you know, it's kind of like we're in a hamster wheel and we're going 90 miles an hour and we're, you know, the queen of multitasking everything. And we don't just like slow down Mm -hmm. and pay attention to things. And so, um, you know, we can also apply that mindfulness, you know, to present moments, um, and just, be more aware, you know, of what we're doing. And by doing that, you know, there's a lot of benefits that, that we can, um, we can experience, you know, not just relaxation, but, you know, it, it enhances like our personal, our spiritual growth, our stress levels, um, all of those things. And meditation is one of the eight limbs of yoga. I think a lot of people don't even realize that um, when people think of yoga, they just think of the asana practice, you know, where we're moving in the practice. But um, there is a limb in yoga, which which is meditation. And, you know, so if you are practicing yoga and you're just going to yoga class and going through the exercise, you know, like, I mean, we, we have a saying that you know, us yogis, like you're not really doing yoga, you know? So if you're, you're thinking about a million things or you're not really doing pranayama and you're not practicing all of the other things when you're off from your mat, you know, living by the principles of the yamas and the niyamas, you know, you're not really there. So meditation is, um, like I said, one of those limbs. Um, it's also a key element in Ayurveda, which um, is a sister science to yoga. It teaches us lifestyle habits and routines, and it is integral um, for your health to have meditation um, in your life and in your wellness routine. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll back up a little too, because you and I um, met when we were both working in the same office building and and you had a new private studio for doing private classes. Um, And I had been, I had, I had started a a yoga practice, but it was very much like what you said, the asana practice where I was just going and doing a physical practice for what I thought was exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I remember, I mean, the, the instructors would always say, show up and be 
be present on your mat. I had no idea what that meant. Um, And it was several years into the practice before one day it just, it clicked. Um, And it made total sense to me that what I had been doing physically of just going through the motions and not incorporating the, the meditative component along with the physical practice that I really wasn't getting the full benefits of it. I mean, it was still beneficial, but it wasn't, um, it really wasn't doing the, you know, we, I, I like to talk a lot about whole person healing and, and unless you incorporate the body and the mind together, you're not really getting the full benefits, um, that, that you would get out of that. So, um, and your practice, uh, when we were working in that building together was the first sort of introduction I had into really understanding the principles of yoga and meditation. Um, and I remember we did, um, we did a, 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 some sort of mindfulness practice with food once you, um, you gave us kind of an introduction to, to mindfulness, um, and eating and, uh, you brought some raisins in and I just remember it felt silly. I'm not going to lie. It felt kind of silly, um, but it was, it was fun. And obviously it stuck with me cause I'm talking about it five or six years later, um, you gave us this raisin to just almost be present with. Um, And, you know, before we even put it in our mouth, we were making observations and how it felt in our hand and so forth. Um, And I just remember that practice really stuck with me um, in terms of learning how to be present with myself and what a shift that made in my body and mind. Um, So thank you for that. But um, that was that was kind of my first introduction into uh, uh, doing more of a meditative practice with you. So, um, yeah. So, can you explain what exactly is the difference between mindfulness and meditation? Are they the same thing? Like, I'm a little confused about that. Yeah. So um, when I when I think of mindfulness, you know, I think about um, just really being present in the present moment and just being able to, you know, look at life. Like, um, you know, a photographer puts these, these filters over the lenses and can distort the view and right. And make the picture look different. And I think sometimes when, you know, our mind is really busy, um, we don't have clarity. And so we're not always seeing everything, um, the, the way that it truly is. Um, and we're not always appreciating, you know, the real, beauty in life. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of robbing ourselves of, you know, some of the experiences because we are just going through the motions. You know, I was yeah. the hamster wheel. It's like, you know, you're, <laughs> but you're not really going anywhere. Um, and I was certainly on that hamster wheel, um, you know, and the example of pulling in the garage, you know, <laughs> how did I even get here? Right. Like, how did I get here? Like, I don't even know what road I, you know, like, I mean, I don't, I don't remember anything about the drive. Like I'm I'm glad I made it safe. Right. And there's, Um, there's so many aspects of life where we really do find ourselves an autopilot and just going through. Oh yeah. 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 But if I were to do that in a, in a more mindful way, um, you know, perhaps I might, 
noticed that, you know, the tree in my neighbor's yard has beautiful flowers on it. And, you know, if I'm driving at night, perhaps I might notice that, you know, it's a full moon, which I might have never looked up. Um, You know, if I have the windows open, maybe I notice some beautiful smells or, you know, right now it's springtime or, you know, tomorrow's the spring equinox. And, you know, the this is like the renewal of the earth. You know, we're starting to see the grass is becoming green and the flowers, you know, the tulips, the daffodils, all of those things are going to start to bloom. Well, if I'm just going mindlessly through life and 90 miles an hour and I'm on autopilot and I've got my blinders on, which, you know, like I said, I was super guilty of, and I have my moments, but it, you know, it's not a, it's not a perfection process. It doesn't like, like that doesn't go away, but I think it becomes fewer and fewer, um, you know, times that you're, you're missing out on things. And I think the more that um, you become aware of it, the more that um, you start to notice more things. So when you think about, you know, mindfulness, it's just that thing that you're weaving in all day and just really being present. But when I think about, you know, a meditation practice, it is more a concentrated practice. And um, there are different types of meditation practices that you can do. Um, but it's really more of a formal thing where, you know, I'm, I might be sitting or or walking, standing, whatever that practice is, but I'm dedicating a certain amount of time to dedicate my attention to that practice, um, instead of just informally, you know, throughout the whole day. Okay. And so the, the mindfulness component, I think almost is more about, um, behavior change and, and creating new, healthier habits. So it just becomes like your, your new normal in a good way. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So what are some of the benefits of meditation? Yeah. So I love to talk about this. Um, I love this word neuroplasticity. Um, yeah. It used to be, um, I've, I've read some books where they refer to it as brain plasticity. Same thing. You know, we're talking about um, being able to essentially rewire the brain, you know, how the brain thinks. Um, and so when I think about this, um, I always like to give this example of, um, you know, growing up, I tended to be more negative and a little bit of a complainer, you know, like, oh it's cloudy out, you know, cause that's just kind of how I was raised. <laughs> so then, you know, you're always thinking, oh, it's cloudy out. And this person's always doing this. And all of a sudden you, you become sort of a, a negative person, right? Right. Well, your brain is like a muscle, you know, this is like a mental exercise. So now my muscles in my brain are being trained to be that way. Right. Right. So, um, then the the absolute opposite is true. So like, if I want to rewire to not be negative, to be more positive, to practice gratitude, which I did a lot of gratitude practice for a very long time, because mm-hmm. I had a lot of challenges in life and I remarried and I have a blended family. And there's a lot of things I could have complained about and I could have taken for granted. And maybe at some point I did. Um, but with the gratitude practice, with those, um, you know, those, those feelings, those emotions of aware, oh, like, oh, I'm starting to go there. I don't want to go there, you know? And then, and then you start to practice this gratitude and you start thinking, okay, you know, if I can just find three things today that 
I'm grateful for, you know, now I'm doing an exercise for my brain that is like positive. Now I'm exercising my brain to say happy things and positive things. So why is that important? Well, it's important because the more you do that, the more um, unconscious it becomes. And so you start to um, change the gray matter. It starts to increase in the amygdala, which is the control center of your emotions. Mm -hmm. And they, and they can detect this. So, you know, there are studies, there was um, a big study done at Harvard um, back in 2014, um, where the, the people took um, an eight week uh, meditation course. And they found on the MRI, they found that the gray matter in the areas of the brain associated with self-awareness, compassion, um, that, that it increased, that it became thicker and that the reason the regions of the brain associated with stress actually shrank. Mm. So, you know what they say. So I like to think about, you know, spring, we're planting seeds, we're growing flowers, whatever you, you start to sprinkle these seeds, whatever those thoughts are positive or negative, right. They're going to start to root and they're going to grow and they're, and they're going to become what, what you think, what, who you are. So if we can, um, you know, plant, plant more positive seeds, more compassionate seeds, more loving seeds, we can start to rewire that thought process. And, um, that also takes some of, you know, the stress. And so we know that when, um, the prefrontal cortex, you know, we increase that, um, activation, you know, we're, we're able to think better. We're able to make better choices. Um, we can slow down our, um, brain atrophy. We can, um, decrease trauma symptoms, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, helping a client disconnect from a past trauma, things that trigger and help them stay in the present moment helps um, release their stress. We can reduce anxiety, depression, and there, there are studies that show this. This is not just like stuff I'm making up, you know, I mean, we have studies that are showing this and we know that, um, you know, intervening with mindfulness is, you know, helping with these adverse experiences, even in childhood, you know, and helps to increase resilience so that, you know, when kids are showing up, they're more ready to learn because they're not stressed for adults, you know, that are, that are not, maybe learning any, I mean, we're all learning. I think we all learn throughout life, but, um, you know, our immune system and our wellness is effective. And, um, there's a Mm -hmm. study that shows, um, it's 2016. There's a study at the university of um, Virginia, their school of medicine, and they determined that there is indeed a direct correlation between the brain and the immune system. And so why is that important? Well, you start to think about um, how inflammation, Mm -hmm. um, you know, can um, cause certain diseases, you know, it can cause Alzheimer's, it can cause arthritis, it can cause um, MS, lupus, autism, you know, um, all of these different things. I mean, there's a lot of other preventable diseases. I mean, I know there's studies on cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. There's all of these things that are affected because when we are living with the stress hormone extended for long periods of time, yeah. we start to get inflammation in the body and the function of our immune system is compromised. So you right, think about right. people 
right? That always have a problem that always are ruminating that are always, they're sick all the time. Right. Um, so by having a practice to be able to rewire your thought process, to bring you back into the present moment, to, um, allow you to just, you know, kind of ride those waves of life of stress. Mm -hmm. Um, it starts to, you know, lower your stress response and therefore not compromise your immune system. So there's a lot of really great benefits. I just wanted to take a quick minute out of today's episode to tell you about ZRT Laboratories at-home hormone testing. ZRT has 20 years of experience and is a leader in innovative, safe, and meaningful hormone and wellness testing. When produced in balance, your symphony of hormones determine optimal mental and physical health and functioning, including healthy weight management and metabolic functioning, mood, libido, fertility, energy, and sleep quality, as well as how they contribute to the creation or avoidance of chronic health conditions. To keep things functioning at their best, the body must constantly fine-tune hormone release to keep levels within proper limits. An imbalance in one system can cascade into imbalances in others, which is why the diurnal saliva cortisol test is the cornerstone of the body literacy method for understanding how stress and trauma set the stage for hormone imbalances that affect your health, wellness, and vitality. Visit the Body Literacy Shop today to purchase our ZRT Laboratory at-home cortisol saliva test and other at-home hormone test kits available to help you get to the root cause of your health and wellness challenges. Shop online at shop.bodyliteracy.me and enter the discount code PODCASH at checkout for $10 off your purchase of $100 or more. And now back to today's episode. I love that you bring up the Harvard study and, and a few others. Um, I I think it is super interesting and, and I think we're kind of um, late to the, to the game, but um, I, I've heard this concept of we medicine, Western and Eastern kind of coming together. Uh, and I kind of feel like the 21st century is where we're really going to see some amazing things happen in medicine in a really positive way where the best of, of Western medicine um, that does some really really great things with, with technology and, um, acute situations, uh, is, is coming together with more time-honored traditional medicines of the Eastern traditions. Um, and I, I, you know, from a body literacy perspective, that's kind of where I come to it from as I was so embedded in Western medicine for so long, um, and just, kind of yielded to the authority that you know, doctors and so forth were telling me and, and just not getting anywhere. Once I kind of glommed on to some of these biofeedback tools, like I know I talk about the cortisol test and um, we do things with heart rate variability and there's new tools for even um, monitoring what's happening in your brain um, while you're meditating for people who need to see that. A lot of people don't need to see it, but I think especially if you're new to it, um, having these tools that help us actually see what's happening inside of the body when we um, incorporate something like meditation into a daily practice um, and can and actually see on a computer screen or whatever, um, or a lab test or whatever, this is what our stress looks like. And once you start to manage it, you have a better tangible idea of how that makes a difference in your body and your mind. And um I do think more more studies need to be done like this, and I think we're continuing to see increasing numbers of them come out as as more doctors and scientists see the value of it. Um, 
and we kind of veer away from the pharmaceutical model a little bit more step-by-step. So I think these are great and I hope we continue to see uh, more studies coming out like that. Um, and that's that's great that you've got them for, for such a great reference point. So um, yeah, thanks for sharing those. So um, you had alluded a few minutes ago to uh, some different types of meditation. So I think when we think of meditation, the first thing that comes to mind is like a Buddha sitting on a cushion with his hands on his knees in a certain way. And um, that's not necessarily what meditation always looks like. It can, but um, there's there are different types of meditation. So um, I, I think you know, when that's our only idea of what it is, it, it tends to be kind of intimidating to people who are are new to the concept and maybe are worried that they just can't do it. Are there simpler ways to start um, and to feel like you've you've achieved small accomplishments without necessarily expecting yourself to be someone who can very quickly put yourself into, you know, what I like to call the bliss field and using some of these different techniques? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you tell me what you consider bliss field? Oh, <laughs> I'm maybe, just curious. Maybe I refer to it as my bliss bubble. So I okay. want to know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I may, maybe, maybe that's not a universal term. It's just something I made up. I'm not sure. Um, so when I first started meditating, I think, you know, people get into it and they, they don't feel like there's like a, you know, a moment where they're like, oh, I was meditating. Um, and that's kind of how I feel, felt for a while until I did maybe a longer meditation um, and had practiced it for a few weeks, like consistently several times a day. Um, I don't know what the technical, maybe Harvard could tell us. Um, there's like there's like a shift in your head where the the brain waves shift from you know alpha to theta, or beta, whatever. Um, and you just notice this very distinct difference inside of yourself. And for me, it was almost like um, the boundaries of myself started to dissolve a little bit, if that makes sense. I think part of trying to describe this to people, it is, unless you've experienced it, it is very difficult to um, describe the physical and mental sensations that go along with it. But anyway, when I'm in the bliss field, it's just like, there's, there's nothing else. And it's just like pure bliss. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know what you mean by that. I kind of, I, I refer to it as my bliss bubble because okay. I feel like after I've <laughs> meditated, I'm, I'm in this bliss bubble and I'm kind of just like floating through everything floating. and That's with a good such one. high awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I think what you're describing and I I'll just go back for a minute, cause I want to make sure I was really clear about that. So, you know, thinking about like the Harvard study, okay. They, they study people for eight weeks. Cause you were talking about consistency mm-hmm. in your practice. And so when there is this consistency and the people, um, you know, in this, in this study, they were, they were meditating about an average of 27 minutes a day. for eight weeks. And so, you know, they saw the increased gray matter density in the hippocampus, which is known to be important for learning and memory Mm -hmm. and the structures associated with self-awareness, compassion, introspection. So when I think about your bliss field, I think about 
that, right? Okay. Your introspection, okay. your self-awareness, like all of those things are really heightened, right? They also reported um, reductions in stress, which is correlated, you know, with that decreased gray matter and density in, in the amygdala, which okay. is also known, you know, to play a significant role in your anxiety and your stress. So, okay. um, so when you talk about your bliss field, you know, I definitely um, can relate to that, especially when I went on silent retreat and was meditating like three to four hours a day oh for several gosh. days in a yeah. row. I was so crystal clear on so many things that have been plaguing me for years, but, you know, I, I don't want to in- discourage people who are looking to start. I guess mm-hmm. I want to use that, that as an inspiration. So I'm glad that you share that because I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it is possible to, to get there yeah. and, you know, but you have to start, um, you have to start first by just building that awareness and, you know, it's like a new habit. It's really, I mean, the hardest part is just remembering to do it, right. It's like brushing your teeth every day or flossing your teeth. You know, it has to be made part of your daily routine. And that's what Ayurveda teaches us. You know, it needs to be part of the daily routine, just like scraping your tongue and flossing your teeth and brushing your teeth and eating breakfast and all of those things that you do throughout your day, this meditation um, over time can become part of your day as well. And, you know, so thinking about ideal times, you know, teachers talk about ideal times. I think most people talk about meditating in the morning. Um, You know, that isn't always the, that just doesn't always work for me. You know, um, sometimes I'm just really busy in the morning. (laughs) Do I love, uh, how my day feels like, yeah, I feel like I'm in a bliss bubble all day after I've meditated, but, um, sometimes it just doesn't work for me. The middle of the afternoon works for me. The evening works for me. So I think the first step is really just starting to build some awareness around the fact that I'm going to incorporate a new habit in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It needs to be something that like you just don't say, I'm just going to start meditating 20 minutes tomorrow and right. I'm going to do it every day. No, I would say what you should do is, you know what, for this week, just start becoming more aware of yourself throughout your day. Maybe set a timer on your phone to ring once an hour to just stop and pause and take a few breaths and just be aware that you're breathing. And that's where I start someone when I start to teach mindfulness meditation is um, we start with the foundation of just being aware of the breath Mm -hmm. and noticing that you're breathing without manipulating the breath, without controlling the breath, without counting it, just be aware that you're breathing Mm -hmm. and we're all breathing, right? Right, Or we wouldn't be here talking. So what's great about using a breath as the foundation for practice is it's always with you. Mm -hmm. So um, do I need to be in a quiet room with a Zafu cushion and my little meditation, um, you know, music or a, a you know, a bell or a chime. No, you don't need to pull all the shades. You don't need to do all of that stuff. Um, It's really just, I mean, you could do it in your car before you pick up your kids. You could have a few minutes of just mindful breathing. So the, the correct time, I guess, is what is the best time for you. And just starting out, maybe it's one minute, two minutes, three minutes, start building it up as it suits you. Um, And just, have self-compassion with yourself. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, You wouldn't go out and run a 5k 
tomorrow. If, right. Right. If, if you've if never you, run before, if you have never <laughs> ran, walk before you run, you start to walk yeah. and then you gradually start to incorporate the running and then you run a mile and then, it, you know, you go from there. Right. So right. I look at this meditation process is doing just that starting yeah. out a few mindful breaths. Maybe it's five breaths, 10 breaths, minute, three minutes, five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes. And then you start to build up to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love that. So, um, all right. Well, with that, um, would you mind leading us in a brief meditation just so our listeners have an idea on how to get started with this? Sure. Um, do I have a minute though, just to maybe talk about some of the meditations, the types of meditations? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'd like to be clear just to, to build on that, that question that you asked me about the sitting. So when I was saying there are different types, um, you know, some types of meditation are just, um, meant to center and calm and you're just aware, you might be aware of sensations in your body. Um, you might do this through a body scan. Mm -hmm. You could do a body scan while you're sitting, while you're lying down, but it's just bringing awareness to the body. That's one way uh, you can meditate. Another would be um, like a breathing practice, just being mindful of the breath. And as I said before, if you're just starting, um, this does not need to turn into a a whole breath work practice. Mm -hmm. This is just really becoming aware of the breath. And then maybe um, once you've become aware of breathing, then you start to notice where you feel the breath predominantly. And I call this an anchor breath. And you come back to that place in your body as an anchor, anytime you start to feel stress. And then from there, you start to build on it, maybe belly breathing and um, doing different things with the breath that you can add on. But you, again, want to start out just becoming aware Mm -hmm. and then you know, slowly start to build on that. So there are different breathing practices and those are really great because they're very calming and very cooling. They help when you're angry. Um, They're also really great during the summer months, which I like to teach things seasonally because I I have a lot of um, Ayurveda training and I like to bring the seasons in so that we're always in sync with nature and the rhythms of nature. Right. Um, And um Mantra is another type of meditation. It's a repetition of words. Um, It just helps to quiet and relax the mind. So people that um, feel really scattered, have a lot of anxiety, mantra meditation is very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, It could just be repeating, um, you know, something like I am. Mm-hmm. So hum, you know, I am. And just repeating that um, concentration meditations um, help to put the focus on an object. Um, it could be something in front of you, like a candle. Um, we call that candle gazing. It could be something out the window. Um, we find this a lot with um, people who have uh, trauma. Um, sometimes, you know, sitting and closing their eyes, it's not a comfortable thing. Um, mm-hmm. So gazing at an object completely, right. you know, takes that element out. Um, And even looking out into nature, looking out a window, um, that can be very helpful. Uh, Walking is another uh, meditation practice. I think this practice is, um, it's very great in anchoring the awareness of the mind. Um, It's a great practice to use in the winter because we're sitting so much. We don't need to sit more for our meditation. Um, It's also very helpful um, for people who have depression because quite often someone who is really dealing with depression, um, the sitting 
uh, starts to elicit a response of like ruminating and starting oh, to have yeah. rumination of thoughts. Right. Um, so by getting up and walking and bringing that awareness to the movement of the foot lifting and lowering mm-hmm. um, just helps to anchor that awareness into the mind. Okay. Um, and it, because you're moving and not sitting, it just, it just helps, you know, and it's, right. like I said, it's great for winter. Um, and then the last one that I think of is um, a movement, like a mindfulness practice and a yoga practice is, you know, a, a meditation in motion really. Yeah. And it's, it's really just being so present in your body as you're moving and not thinking about your grocery list and everything else. Um, and just really being fully present in your body, making that mind body connection throughout your practice. So, so, um, so there are many types of meditation. So if you're someone listening out there thinking, I can't do it. Yes, you can find the one that works best for you. Find the time of day that works best for you. And just even start now, you know, as, as your takeaway, just being informal throughout your day, noticing your drive home, noticing what's in your neighbor's yard, noticing the flowers, you know, pausing to notice something on your walk, noticing how you, how you got into your garage. (laughs) Yes. You know, washing the dishes, notice the smell of the, you know, the soap, et cetera. So, um, yeah, so I would love to guide you in a practice. What I'd like to do is just, um, like a beginner awareness practice. So for someone who's completely new to this, um, this literally is how easy it can be for a first time practice. So yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So listeners, if you are driving a car, please um, just do your best uh, to do this, or maybe listen to this part of the podcast when you're in a place where you can actually sit down. Um, But if you are home listening to this and you have a comfortable seat that you can sit, you're welcome to lie down. We're only going to be here about a minute. Um, so if you're comfortable closing your eyes, I invite you to close your eyes and just take a moment to bring awareness to your breath. And without doing anything particular to the breath, just notice the ebb and the flow of the breath flowing in and out of the body. If it's comfortable for you to seal your lips, I'll invite you to seal your lips and just channel the breath throughout the nostrils and just feel the breath flowing in and exhaling out. There's no need to manipulate, to count, to do anything else. Just be aware that you are breathing. Breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. And just take one more full breath in. Exhale out. And if your eyes were closed, please just gently flutter them open as you're ready. And as you can see, it's really just that simple. That's just the beginning. That was nice. That was really nice. Thank you. Great. Um, 
So for, for listeners who are just getting started with this um, and don't have a, a regular practice already, um, are there any apps that you like that our listeners can use to help them get started with, with a regular meditation practice? Yeah, there definitely are. Um, some of my favorite apps um, for people who are just beginning, mm-hmm. uh, who you know just want something that's free to try it out, um, to just do some some basic meditation, stop, breathe, and think is a really wonderful app. Um, they have some one, three, five minute um, breathing practices along with some others um, that are really great. And you can access quite a few of the shorter ones um, for free. And then mm-hmm. if you really like it, you can subscribe subscribe 10% happier. Um, they, you have to have a subscription to them or also the calm app, um, to get a lot of the meditations, but they are good. And I know that they're offering, um, both 10% happier and calm have been offering, um, you know, deals for frontline workers and educators, um, for, for their apps to help with stress. I also love the insight timer. Um, Mm -hmm. you can use those timers. They're free and you can, um, control what the sound is like on, on the bells. Um, and so I find those very calming and they also have a lot of free, good free things on their headspace. Um, that that's a good app. It's not one of my favorite. It, you know, um, it depends on, you have to find someone that you, like their voice, you know, oh, yeah. and, um, for some reason that app is, is not one of my favorites, but it is a really good app. And I do have some clients that like to use that app. Um, but if you, you know, if you're comfortable just sitting with your own breath, the insight timer and just setting that timer, um, is probably a really great place to start. Okay. That that's the one I use with my, well, for myself and for my kids, but I liked what you said about finding the right voice. Cause every now and then I'll, I'll pick one for them to listen to that they'll refer to as the creepy lady or something, just because it was whatever, whatever yeah. it was about the person's voice just didn't jive with them. So, um, there, there definitely is something to, to connecting with the right voice on the other end. So. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all great suggestions. And I will put those in the show notes so people can, can find those on their own, but um, yeah, well, that was all great information. Is there anything else that uh, we didn't touch on that you think our, our listeners would like to, to learn about? If they are interested in learning more about seasonal practices um, for meditation, breathing, and yoga, um, they're welcome to visit my website, KathleenBelongi.com. Um, I And they can just sign up right there for my newsletter and get a free practice guide. And that will give them more information on that. Right. Um, yeah. Great. And I also offer online um, live online yoga classes for women, mostly um, midlife women um, that I work with. And then uh, we have a library where I have some meditations, yoga nidras, um, breathing practices, as well as um, on-demand yoga classes there as well. So I'd love to see some of your listeners uh, visit me over at my website. Absolutely. And you're, you're on social media too. I am. I'm on Instagram at, at Kathleen Longi and Facebook as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us today. I think we got a lot of great information out of this for listeners who are maybe just starting out and as well as maybe some seasoned practitioners of meditation. So thank you for your wealth of knowledge. It was so fun to have you on the uh, episode today. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me here. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any statements and views expressed by myself or my guests are not medical advice. The opinions of guests are their own and the Body Literacy Podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. If you have a medical problem, please consult a qualified and competent medical professional. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Body Literacy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and sign up for updates over at genmayo.com. 